0: observe the fact that you have a mind that is wandering and then be able to make a different choice instead of becoming engaged in those thoughts to let it go and come back to your breath.
1: My name is Renee and I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life.
2: The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to provide insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness, because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us
1: and welcome to the
2: show. Welcome to episode 93 of the Biohacker Babes podcast. I'm Renee and I'm here with my sister, Lauren. Hello. And we are going to be bringing a guest on for you today. We are going to be talking about Muse technology today. This is one of our favorite pieces of technology. It helps us practice our mindfulness and meditation at such a higher level. And we just love it so much. And Ariel was a pleasure to chat with. She is so knowledgeable on really the science behind meditation and mindfulness. And we get a little bit into the science, but also the amazing benefits of the Muse headband and
1: really why everyone should be using it. I think the world would be a better place if we all had these, (laughs) right? Yeah. I just want to stand on the street and hand out Muse headbands to everyone, (laughs) (laughs) especially in 2021. Yeah. That would be, I had a million dollars. I think that's what I would do buy all of the Muse headbands and just pass them out. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. I just a
2: song. if I had
1: a million dollars, something like that, <laughs> that's your <Sure>. song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just think this is such a game changer. I think so many people struggle with meditation, but they're drawn to at least trying it because everyone's talking about it. We know there are so many benefits, but it's difficult. It's a skill and it requires Practice And Muse just kind of takes you to that next level and gets you over those hurdles so quickly. Um, it's such a light headband. You can travel with it. I used to always have it with me when I went, when I taught at AKT, I would use it like in the break room all the time. Great to travel with. I just think, I don't know. I've tried lots of different types of meditation and this one just helped me drop in so quickly. And Ariel is going to explain how and why. Uh, and I, I just can't wait for all of you to experience this and learn about it if you have not already. Yeah.
2: I think, and you had a good point. I think everyone in 2021 is now aware that meditation is great. Like I think everyone I talk to has some kind of meditation app on their phone, like BrainSpace or Brain FM or Headspace. I mean, yeah. Call. So Yeah. There's no, there's no sales pitch there that we all need need to be doing it. I think it's just the missing piece is how do we do it and be efficient with it? And this is the answer. This is the
1: puzzle piece. Yeah. And just to tag on to that, because it's become so popularized, even if people are doing it, I, I don't know that we're actually getting the brain training that you get with Muse or with the neurofeedback component. And that's the piece that's next level to me. Like you could be showing up, checking in for your meditation daily, but are you actually retraining the brain? And this is an amazing way to do it. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to add one more thing to that.
2: (laughs) She's going to keep ping-ponging until we bring her on. Yeah. I think the neurofeedback piece you're right is missing as well. And I think what's, The hard thing about neurofeedback is, you know, there's a lot of neurofeedback practitioners now around the country, but you have to drive there. You have to pay, you know, 150 to $200 per session. It's kind of an ordeal, a big ordeal. So the fact that you can just do this anywhere, you know, like you said, you were bringing more stress, (laughs) (laughs) right. You don't need one more thing on your plate. This is something you can do 10 minutes before bed or 10 minutes when you wake up. Easy, easy, easy. So Yeah. All right. We're really excited about this episode in case you can't tell (laughs) Um, before I bring Ariel and let me tell you a little bit more about her. Ariel Garten is a multidisciplinary woman. She was trained as a neuroscientist, is a former psychotherapist, former fashion designer, and the co-founder and visionary of an amazing and highly successful tech startup and biohacker tool, Muse, which we've been talking about. So Muse tracks your brain during meditation to give you real-time feedback on your meditation, guiding you into the zone and solving the problem most of us have when starting a meditation practice. Muse lets you know when you are doing it right. With no formal business background, Ariel personally raised $18 million to found Muse from Silicon Valley investors, as well as Ashton Kutcher. Muse is now used by hundreds of thousands of people to start or deepen their meditation practice, including by the Mayo Clinic. When Arielle is not reading brains, literally, or investing in, inspiring and advising other startups and women in business, you can find her on stages across the world from TED to MIT teaching audiences about their brain and how to overcome its limitations, consistently giving her audiences the practical tools and insights they need to help them become their best selves. Ariel and Muse have been featured in over a thousand articles, including CNN three times, Forbes, Fortune, Popular Science, Men's Health, GQ, O Magazine, Wired, and so many more. Ariel's mission in life is to help people understand how their brain and mind work, both the nuts and bolts and neurons and how that plays out in the messy and beautiful experience of living. She inspires people to understand that they can accomplish anything they want by understanding what actually goes on in their mind. She is also the co-host of the Untangle podcast.
1: Wow. Yeah. Super impressive. And just so lovely. And who's ready to learn about meditation? Yes. (laughs) All right. Let's do it. All right. Welcome Ariel
2: to the show. We're so happy to have you with us today.
0: Oh, it's my joy and pleasure to be here with you too. What fun. Yes. thank you. (laughs) We've been looking forward to this for a
2: while. And since we've been using Muse for several years, it's just, this was bound to happen. So I'm so happy and can't wait to have this conversation. All right. So everyone, we talk a lot about meditation and mindfulness, I think at a very basic level on this show, but today we're going to go a lot deeper into the topic we're going to get into brainwaves, EEG, talk about the amazing technology of Muse and really how everyone can incorporate this technology to not just guide you through a better meditation and mindfulness practice but to optimize those brain waves and I have to say my personal journey with this so you know Lauren and I were sisters we grew up Learning about meditation. We knew the benefits of meditation because our dad was an avid meditator for decades. But I personally always struggled to just like sit down and meditate, even though I knew the benefits. So when I first found Muse at PaleoFX four years ago, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was actually looking at the calendar and I'm like, there's no way that was four years ago, but somehow it was. But I remember sitting in the booth and I did a quick demo. I think it was maybe 10 minutes. And immediately after, I said, okay, I need one of these. I bought it, I went home and I was so excited to try it out that I remember sitting in the Austin airport at the gate waiting to get on my plane. And I'm I'm pulling it out and like wetting my forehead, putting it on, and I'm sure people are like, What in the world is she doing? But I was just so excited and it's just been a, a great journey. And for me, the technology has been the missing piece. So I think it probably is for a lot of people. So where do we begin? Ariel, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the basics of meditation and mindfulness? Like what exactly is that? And what's the difference between the two?
0: Sure. And first of all, it's so exciting to meet other people who are Muse users. Um, it's, you know, when we organize this podcast, I had no idea you guys use Muse. So it's always such a a fun pleasure to get on the line and meet somebody who uses the device and loves it and it's made an impact in their life. So that's super cool. Great. (laughs) Um, so going specifically into meditation, so meditation, most people think of as this like weird or woo woo thing. It is really not meditation is simply a practice or a training that leads to healthy and positive mind states. Meditation is a thing that you do regularly, just like going to the gym that boosts the muscle of your attention, your ability to be aware of what's going on in your mind, in your body, and in the world. And when you're able to do that, you're able to make much better choices about how you engage in the world. You end up understanding your emotional reactions so that you're not as reactive and you can make choices about how you communicate. And you understand end up understanding your internal states, your, you know, mental processes. So you can make better choices about which stories in your head you follow and which you choose to let go of.
2: I love that. So it's not just the 15, 30 minutes that you're doing it. It's really training your brain to handle things, things that are hitting you 24-7.
0: Totally. It's just like you go to the gym, you do some bench presses, you get stronger, you go home. Somebody needs to vacuum under the couch. And hey, you can just lift that couch magically because you've practiced, because you've strengthened those right. muscles. So right. meditation really prepares your mind to be ready to deal with whatever comes to you in the day. That's yeah. so interesting that you say it's it's really a skill.
1: You have to practice it because I hear so many people say, I can't meditate. And like on my intake form with clients, I always ask, Do you meditate? And nine out of ten times it's like, uh, well, I try, but I can't. And with the gym, a lot of people don't like going to the gym, but somehow they still make it there or they make it to an exercise session. I think sometimes, you know, we're not motivated or don't, don't feel like we're good at something, but we show up anyways. So it sounds like we could do the same with meditation, but there's there's this belief or this block that if I'm not good, then I can't even show up.
0: And I think that belief is created because most people don't really understand what you're supposed to be doing in meditation. So when you go to the gym, it's obvious there's a machine, you lift the machine, you see other people doing it. There could even be a trainer standing there to show you exactly how you're doing it and encouraging you. But with meditation, it's all just going on in your mind. And you're kind of like, yeah, I think I'm meditating. Am I doing this right? I don't know what's going on. And that's really the problem that we aim to solve with Muse. We wanted to give people real-time feedback, on their brain during meditation so they could know what's going on in there and know what they should be doing and if they're quote unquote doing it right.
2: Yeah. I think there's this myth that meditation is sitting there with no thoughts, like clearing your brain. (laughs) I think that's a really good point. Just knowing that thoughts are okay, but having that neurofeedback or real-time data coming back to you saying, okay, this is good. This is better. Okay. We need to jump back into what we were doing. Just that constant guidance. So Ariel, how did you get into all of this meditation and creating this technology? What was your background with that?
0: Sure. And I want to take one more second before I go there to really address this question of what is meditation? Cause there's probably people who are listening, who are like, I'm still not totally sure what you're supposed to be doing. (laughs) So, in a basic meditation practice and a focused attention practice, what you're doing is you put your attention on your breath. When your mind invariably wanders away from your breath into a thought, it's your job to then notice your mind is wandering and then choose, instead of following your wandering mind, to bring your attention back to your breath. So, it's really simple attention on something neutral, mind wanders away, notice it's wandering, come back to breath. Mind wanders away, Mm. notice it's wandering, come back to breath. And a lot of people, when they say, I'm really not good at meditation, it's because their mind is wandering all over the place. And it turns out that it's totally okay to have a wandering mind. You know, you, you reference that Renee, like it's okay that your mind is wandering. It's okay that you're having thoughts. Your mind doesn't go blank during meditation. Frankly, I think it's harder to levitate than to have your mind go completely (laughs) blank during meditation. And that's not the point (laughs) or the goal. What you're learning to do is simply observe the fact that you have a mind that is wandering and then be able to make a different choice instead of becoming engaged in those thoughts to let it go and come back to your breath. So it's okay if your mind wanders 3000 times in your meditation, that's 3000 opportunities to notice and return to actually build the muscle of your attention and to be able to do that thing that actually gives you the strength, which is not to have no thoughts, but yet it is to know how to deal with them. So
1: the focus based meditation, would that be in the same category as like a mantra based? I know there's so many different types of meditation. Would you, is it the same? Yeah, there are lots
0: of of different forms of meditation and focused attention includes mantra meditation where you're focusing on a mantra, a word or a phrase. And that can be an English word like, you know, I am good or love or perfection or a mantra in another language. Um, there's a uh, focused attention on the breath which is most common and then you can also focus on other things in the environment like your sounds or a body scan meditation where you're focusing on different points of your body all of these serve a very similar skill that they teach which is being able to notice what's going on get your mind out of your wandering thoughts and put your attention into the present moment so when you're focused on your breath you're focused on your body you're focused on a sound all of these things are in the here and now whereas when you're in your thoughts you're in the past, you're in the future, you're somewhere else. You are not here. Yeah, I love that. I've practiced TM for
1: years. And when I found news, that seemed to just naturally go along with this way of meditation. Because I found if I was doing a guided meditation, I would get lost in in whoever was speaking to me, their words or their thoughts. And I think the mantra or the breath focused, it really helps to clear and actually just trains your brain to be able to do it
0: even without those tools, I think. Is that the goal with Muse? Absolutely. So with Muse, what we're doing is we're giving you real-time feedback to know when you're focused and to know when your mind is wandering. So you're actually hearing what's going on in your mind. And that trains you to be able to be aware when you're in the going about your life, to be able to know when your mind is wandering. And then you've noticed because you've trained. And then you're reinforced when you're doing Muse for coming back to something neutral, your breath in the present moment. And then when you're wandering around in the world and you know, you have a thought that's distracting or annoying, you've learned how to let that go and come back to the thing that you're doing. You know, when you're having a conversation with somebody and your mind starts wandering away about something else, you can be like, right, I know what to do now. Let that thought go. Come back to the person I'm listening to bring my attention back to the present moment.
1: So cool. I'd love to talk more about the training aspect soon, but I do want to come back to Renee's questions. I'm so curious too. How did you get into meditation?
0: Sure. So my own background comes from a few different places. My mom was an artist. I was trained as a neuroscientist and a psychotherapist. So I've always been sort of pulling the threads of art and science and human experience together. When I was training as a psychotherapist, I would be trying to teach people to meditate and I sucked at meditation (laughs) myself. Like, I was really bad at it. Full honesty. Okay. <laughs> 100%. I'd be teaching people how to, you know, how to meditate in the same way that I'd been taught. And I just couldn't do it. I would go home, my brain would bounce all over the place. I'd lose interest because I wasn't good at it. Yeah. Um, and I had a sneaking suspicion that when my patients went home and said that they meditated and came back, that maybe they weren't really doing it either. Sure. So at the same time, and a little bit earlier, I was collaborating with a professor at the University of Toronto called Dr. Steve Mann. And he actually had a brain-computer interface system, so an EEG setup where you could track changes in brain state, and we were creating concerts and experiences, like we would be able to translate that brain activity into sound or into visuals. And so, you know, on the one hand, I was working in this research lab with this technology that could actually translate your brainwave activity into sound. And on the other hand, I was trying to teach people to meditate. And so I got together with my co-founders, Chris Ameni and Trevor Coleman. They're both like incredibly brilliant people in their own right. And we got together and started to create what ultimately became Muse. And it was really Trevor and Chris that recognized that if we could give people real-time feedback on what was going on in their mind during meditation by being able to track their brain waves, and know when they were focused and know when their mind was wandering, that we could probably teach them to meditate. And it turns out it worked.
2: Yeah. And so you so would cool. classify Muse as neurofeedback?
0: Yep. is it a form of, exactly. music is a yeah. form of neurofeedback. So bio, it's a form of biofeedback. Biofeedback is just any feedback on your body. Um, so that includes heart rate, movement, et cetera. And this is a specific form of biofeedback, which is neurofeedback, which is feedback on your own brainwave activity. Hmm. But it's
1: neurofeedback
2: that you can do at home. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you have to drive to a center and spend an hour there and do a training. Like you can do it Anytime you want at home. And so for people listening that aren't familiar with Muse, can you walk us through like what a typical session feels like? What does it sound like? How does that sure. flow?
0: Absolutely. So Muse is a thin little headband in the same way that you would wear a Fitbit on your wrist and it can track your heart rate and your steps. Muse is a little headband on your forehead that tracks your brain activity as well as your heart rate and your movement. And so what you do is you slip on the Muse, you open the app on your phone, and you sit down for a meditation session. And what Muse is doing is it's giving you real-time feedback to know what your mind is doing during your meditation. So the metaphor we use is your mind is like the weather. So when you're thinking or distracted, Muse actually translates that thinking into stormy sounds. And when you are quiet and focused, Muse then quiets the storm. So what you're listening to is as your mind wanders, the storm picks up, that becomes your cue to know that, oh, my mind is wandering. It becomes your cue to bring yourself back to focused attention, and then the storm gets quiet. And then if you're able to stay in focused attention for five seconds or more, you hear little tweeting of birds, and that reinforces your brain to say, yep, you're in the right state, you're there, you're there, stay there. And so it becomes this really powerful way to actually See what goes on here, what goes on in your brain during your meditation practice, and know when you're doing it, and be reinforced to actually be in that state and "quote unquote" do it right.
1: Yeah, I love those little birds so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's like this magical gamification. Yeah, it it kind of feels like a video game, and this has come up a few times on our podcast with technology-based, you know, any kind of biofeedback. It's like, oh, if you can be rewarded or motivated to keep going in that direction you're more likely to show up. And when you hear those birds, you're like, oh, yep, 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 yep. You're just being trained over and over again to, to go more in that state. Can you explain where we're getting in, in relation to like brainwaves? So I know there's five basic brainwave states. What's actually happening with the storm versus the birds in relation to
0: brainwaves? So when you are in, we have an algorithm that specifically looks at when you're in focused attention versus when your mind is wandering. So when you're in focused attention, you have an increase in alpha brainwaves, you have a little bit of theta coherence, you have a number of very specific things that happen in focused attention. When your mind wanders, your brainwaves become, uh, you have an increase in beta, and then you also see a lot less coherence in your brainwave activity. So the old way that people used to look at brainwave reinforcement was, okay, we're reinforcing alpha or beta or theta or delta. Um, What we do is we now have over half a million people that use Muse. We probably have the largest database of brain data ever. And, you know, we've trained Muse over by now millions and millions of sessions of meditation of expert meditators and novice meditators. So we no longer do the approach that says, okay, we're just training your alpha waves. We actually are able to take a much more sophisticated machine learning approach that is able to kind of take a snapshot of where your brain waves are at when you're focused and when you're wandering, and then give reinforcement on that. And we can't see anything else. You know, brain waves actually don't give you a lot of information. We don't, know anything else except specifically looking at focused attention versus mind wandering.
2: Now you mentioned expert meditators can use this as well. Do Yeah. How does that I mean do they still see the same benefits like is it just easy do they get birds
0: all the time? So yeah, we have people that use across the board. So lots of people use it to just learn to meditate and they're like, I've never meditated before. This is showing me what to do. Lots of people who have an existing practice, you know, use it to get better. And then even experts use it because when you're a meditator, you become a consciousness explorer. I mean, what you're doing is you're learning to really observe your own mind and to actually have the mirror to your mind and a mirror that shows you what's going on inside of your brain that makes you more alert to your mind wanderings that helps you sort of tease out the the intricacies of what are going on in your mind is amazing. So, you know, we have people that use it in a ton of different ways in different stages. So somebody who's an expert might actually turn off all the audio. So you can turn off the birds, you can turn off the soundtracks, you can turn off the reinforcement and they'll use it just as a pure tracking tool. Um, You know, Hmm. we have, we have people who are therapists who just want to see, you know, when their clients have entered a particular brain state. So there's a ton of different ways to use the tool and to customize it for your needs. That's really awesome. Hmm. I would not say that I am an
1: expert meditator by any means, but I think by practicing TM, I've gotten like fairly good. And I still like using the Muse because there are certain situations where it's a little difficult to drop into TM. And when I was teaching fitness at a fitness studio, like a a busy studio, and there was all kinds of sound. And uh, we had like a break room where I would take naps and there's always people coming in and out, not an ideal place to practice TM. I mean, ideally I should be able to just find silence in my brain and kind of drop in anywhere, but... Um, you know, it was just like a lot of noise and muse was so helpful to me in that situation. Um, just to go a little bit deeper and I can't imagine ever turning off the birds. The birds are just like the greatest thing to me. like, I want, I want that reinforcement no matter how good I get. I, I can't imagine not using the audio part of it. I think that's just such a great piece.
0: So the birds are actually really, really cool things. So on the one hand, the birds are there as gamification to, you know, teach your brain. It's like, you know, classic conditioning. We are conditioning your brain to know that when you're doing this, you're doing it right. Stay there. But it also serves to teach another different lesson about meditation. So a lot of people, the first time they get a bird, they're like, okay, that was a sound big deal. The next time you get a bird by staying in your focused attention and you know, it's a reward. You're like, yes, I got a bird. And then yeah. the bird flies away. And then you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then back, your brain bird. goes into storm. And you're like, oh, my brain's in storm. like, And so, come back, bird. And you're like yearning, you're like needing the thing. And if you want the reward, you're not going to get it, you know, because you're not in that calm, focused attention state. Yeah. So, what the it's a birds little desperate. Te- <laughs> yes. And so what the birds teach you is to be equally as uninvested in your rewards as your failures. So the birds are actually teaching this um, Buddhist principle called equanimity. The ability to just be okay with what is. And when you stop striving for the birds, the birds just come. When you're able to sit in that peaceful place of acceptance, you know, the birds come, they wander towards you. When your mind is stormy and you get too caught up and frustrated by the storm, it just gets stormy and stormier. And then it really just intuitively teaches you this lesson of letting go of what's bothering you, letting go of the friction, letting go of the resistance and allowing yourself to come to calm. And it becomes this beautiful, intuitive lesson to teach you one of the most poignant things about meditation, which is to accept and be okay with what is. I love
1: that yeah. so much. And do you have any research on sort of like the average time it takes to reach that state? So with Muse,
0: there have been literally hundreds of scientific studies done using Muse, which is super cool. Um, In terms of the amount of time, we've never actually done a study looking at the amount of time to get to that state. What we have looked at is the outcomes. So the Mayo Clinic uh, last year published a study with breast cancer patients awaiting surgery using Muse. They, the protocol had them use Muse for four weeks prior to surgery and two weeks after, um, and then they could continue using it as long as they wanted. And what they saw, uh, the protocol said use it three minutes per day. Most women used it more because they loved it and continued to use it past the end of the study. And what they saw was these women had a decrease in stress, a decrease in fatigue, and an improvement in quality of life during their cancer care journey so that, that wow. like, I cried when we got that. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. an amazing
2: study. Yeah. Yeah. To be
0: now, part of
2: something like that is so cool.
0: And now uh, Mayo Clinic has multiple other studies going on in different disease conditions. Um, I'm currently running another study with, uh, with a big company with 300 people looking at Muse, both Muse Meditation and Muse Sleep and its impact in cognition. Um, so reaction time, stroke task, et cetera. There's a previous study uh, with Baycrest Hospital that showed that people using Muse for 10 minutes per day uh, for a minimum of six weeks saw improvements in self-reported uh, symptoms like headache, pain, nausea, saw an improvement in calm, and an improvement in Stroop tasks. So that means that they're able to react faster in a difficult situation with conflicting information. Hmm. So there's, yeah, there's a so lot of exciting great. research that's been done.
1: Oh man, I love the research.
2: This is so yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that I remember the first couple of weeks I was using the Muse, I had so many thunderstorms and I mean, you just explained it so perfectly. I think I was so attached to trying to get the birds. I was like, this thing is broken. There's no birds. I can't get the birds. And I was just so upset about it. But then you're right. When you start to just calm down and let it be, it happens. It's pretty magical. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And then you are, you do feel more resilient in like the outside world. Like I was, you know, I mean, I had chronic fatigue and adrenal issues and I was definitely the person where stressful things would just like throw me over the edge. Like, ah, but now I'm like, okay. I'm like more chill about it, you know? And okay. so it, <laughs> yeah, it just makes you more resilient, which who doesn't need that? Especially after the last year, we all need to be more resilient.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Become more resilient after the last year. You know, part definitely. of us yeah. concept called anti-fragility which is that when you go through something hard, the idea of resilience is that you bounce back to where you were before. The idea of anti-fragility is that you come back even stronger. So hopefully the last year has taught us some great anti-fragility. We've taken our lessons, we've become stronger, more capable, uh, you know, more present human beings.
1: Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Anti-fragility. Okay. That's great. <laughs> Since we're talking about the last year, I know we just have all been under a lot of stress and probably high cortisol and, and maybe people that didn't have any issues with like HPA access adrenals, maybe are seeing some issues there now. Is there any, re- any relation into um, certain brainwave states like beta? Are we spending too much time in beta? Is there any research on that? Um, and maybe what we need more of versus like beta, delta?
0: Yeah. So you want to spend more time in alpha. So, you know, beta is a state that's associated with anxiety. Um, and there's a few different ways to look at it. So we can look at the amount of beta activity that you have. A little a little beta is okay. That's, you know, thinking, engaging, not a bad thing. High beta can be associated with uh, significant anxiety. And then we also look at the hemispheric specialization. So when you have Uh, Low alpha brainwave activity in your left frontal cortex, that's associated with depression or sadness or, you know, lowered negative affect. Um, And high left alpha activity is associated with happiness, you know, engagement, positive mental state. So those are some like basic ways to to carve Mm. up the brain associated with emotions. Um, And one of the things that we saw in our studies, there was one study done by the Catholic University of Milan, and they used Muse with college students starting from 10 minutes a day up to 20 minutes a day by the end over four weeks. The control group was doing a basic meditation practice and listening to nature sounds as their control. And then the active group was using Muse just or mind meditation, which is what we've been describing. And they saw at the end of four weeks, an actual shift in their brainwave activity. So they saw an increase in alpha brainwave activity throughout the day. So that was suggesting an increase in focus and calm, a shift that's actually happened to their brain, um, not just to their, you know, states or traits. Mm, So lasting effects just from a daily session. So cool. Wow. I love
1: that. I've read that. um, I think it's Buddhist monks have really high gamma activity. Is that the goal with Muse or just meditation in general? Should we all have a certain percentage of gamma in our day?
0: Gamma is very cool. So gamma is associated with consciousness and, you know, very high conscious awareness with Muse. We're not, but gamma is very hard to see with an EEG system appropriately. Um, it's, it's very finicky with Muse. Mm-hmm. We're not specifically training you towards Gamma. But the skill that you learn is a skill that's going to make it easier for your brain to get there. We're literally training you to become more aware. We're increasing your conscious awareness. You're increasing your consciousness. Mm-hmm. That makes sense.
1: Hmm. Cool.
0: And so now the Muse Sleep Headband.
2: Now, how is that different? Is that something you only wear when you sleep? And like, yeah, what, so what's going on with the brain waves when we're sleeping?
0: Oh, brain waves when you're sleeping is fun. So <laughs> we have a new device that. That came out called Muse S. So sort of the progression, I think both of you have Muse 1, which gives you real-time feedback on your brain. We then came out with Muse 2, which also gives you feedback on your heart, your breath, and your body while you meditate. Um, Mm -hmm. And now we have Muse S, which does all of that plus uh, sleep. So what we were noticing is that a lot of people were using their muses one or two right before bedtime to help them sleep better. And so what we did was we built this super comfy little band that you can fall asleep in. And so you can meditate with it during the day. And then in the evening, you slip it on and you do what we call sleep journeys. There are these beautiful guided visualizations that bring your brain into the hypnagogic state and they're paired with actually biofeedback that in. It's designed in a way to entrain your body to fall asleep faster. So you actually are listening to a soundtrack that's built from your body. And as the soundtrack shifts and changes, as you're falling asleep and your heart rate is slowing and your breath rate is slowing, it actually entrains you in a way that allows you to fall asleep faster. So it's super uh-huh. cool. And then it tracks your brain throughout the night using EEG and PPG. So if you go into a sleep lab, um, how they track your brain is with EEG sensors. And we've done Um, lots of head-to-head recordings of a sleep lab versus EEG um, versus the muse EEG. And like the recordings are identical. So what Mm -hmm. you're able to see is like literally sleep lab style quality um, changes in your brainwave activity throughout the night going from, you know, light sleep into deep sleep into REM sleep back to deep sleep awakenings, et cetera.
2: So when you wake up in the morning, you can see that full picture of data of how you
0: slept. Exactly. That's so cool. From the moment ah. you put on the Muse, so you can see it as you're falling asleep, you can see how long it took you to fall asleep. You can, you know, experiment with different content. One of the things that we're beginning to see is that, you know, certain voices, certain cadence of voices help people fall asleep faster. Um, so we're actually able to see which of the guided med- meditations and visualizations allow people to fall asleep faster. <laughs> it's it's
1: awesome. Yeah. Who doesn't oh, need that? <laughs> yeah. 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 so cool. We need to
2: upgrade Renee. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Credit. I definitely need that. And so are you wearing um, headphones or earbuds?
0: Yeah. If you have I a guess. bed partner, you can just wear earbuds. I like to just wear my earbud in one ear because most people sleep only on one side. Um, <sighs> right. So I just wear my earbud in one ear as I'm falling asleep. And then it sort of comes out after I sleep. Yeah, it's fine. That's if you don't have a bed do. partner, you can just play it over your speaker.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Cause I know some technology, they say like you need it to be going in both ears. And so that's a relief to not have to worry about that (laughs) for sleep. Yeah. good Um, good point. Yeah. Shoot. What was I going to just say about that? Um, Oh, Oh, with EEG and sleep testing. So Lauren and I both have an aura ring and Mm -hmm. the sleep data has been really helpful. I think maybe it's not super accurate because it's not EEG, but just having the overall data, you can kind of see, oh, okay, I had alcohol and it skewed it that way, or I had too much blue light, it skewed it that way. But I know there's a big argument that that doesn't work. You need to be doing EEG. So this is really exciting that this is offering that. So it's gonna be much more accurate.
0: Yeah, and you can see stages um, that you can't really see clearly in something like the Aura Ring. So Aura is getting PPG or heart rate, and it's yeah. you know great, it's easy to wear, it's, it's a very cool piece of tech. Um, but with us, you can actually see your deep sleep And you can see the intensity of deep sleep. So the most important phase of sleep is deep sleep. And when you do things like stop drinking alcohol and, you know, limit your blue light, what you're hoping to truly impact is your, not just your length of your deep sleep, but the intensity of your deep sleep. And so we're actually able to score your deep sleep intensity. We're able to see the actual amount of Delta waves that you have during your deep sleep. And so you can see when I make a shift, okay, my deep sleep is longer, but is it more intense and you're actually able to get to that level of granularity. It is so cool. Wow. Mm. So I guess
2: the deeper deep sleep means more restoration, more rejuvenation. Okay.
0: Precisely. That's wow. where you restore your your brain. Cool.
1: Yeah. So you said a lot of people are using Muse before bed for sleep. If you don't have the Muse S, is that the best time to use it to affect your sleep? Or is it using it any time of day going to affect your deep sleep as well?
0: Using it any time of day helps because you're, you're learning the skill of letting your mind go. So, you know, most people can't sleep, but because before they go to sleep, their mind is wandering. It's filled with a million thoughts. You're worrying, you're ruminating. And with Muse, what you learn is to take your mind out of those thoughts and to put them on your breath. You know, you're learning that that thing that you assume is natural, that your brain's just going all the time is actually just a habit. And it's not actually something you need to be doing. And you learn the skill <laughs> of disengaging from that, which was like, please just let, you know, shut my brain off. It's like, actually, yeah. you can do that. You can learn that skill in the daytime.
1: Yeah. So, please stop thinking, which is the opposite yeah. of what I want all day long. Right. Like, please start thinking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine this would be amazing for people with insomnia or, you know, that wake up in the middle of the night and have those racing thoughts just to put this on and Absolutely. Out. tune out. Yeah. Yeah. How about kids? Do you have any studies on kids using this? Is this something that children should
0: use? Um, So we actually do have studies. Uh, So ever since GDPR, which is European's um, privacy regulations, came in, we just made the rule of no kid under 16 uh, can use Muse just because we're nuts about data privacy. You know, we'll never look at your data. We'll never touch it. It's, it's not ours. And we really wanted to make sure that there's you know no kids data. We have no information about kids, et cetera. However, there are lots of parents that do nonetheless use Muse with their kids. And there was a study by the Kansas State University in a class of grade seven, eight students using Muse. And what they saw was a 74% decrease. It was 72 to 74% decrease in kids being sent to the principal's office through using Muse. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Powerful. <laughs> just start I'm putting sure these attention.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure it also helps just with focus and attention and just keeping kids engaged.
0: Yes. So we have parents that use it with the band. Um, And then if you have a, so we also have subscription content. So that's 500 different guided meditations that help you with anything that comes up in your life. And we have a sister app called Meditation Studio. If you get a subscription to Muse, you can also access Meditation Studio. In Meditation Studio, we have a whole range of meditations just for kids um, that you can use without the band. So it teaches them to meditate. And we have another collection called Good Night Kiddo, which is specifically meditations to help kids get to sleep. So those can be really helpful as well. That's great. And are they guided for kids? Yeah, those are all guided like, meditations. Okay, they can you know imagine themselves on a magic carpet or imagine you know each of their superpowers like a rainbow shooting out of their heart. It it's really oh. sweet. Can
1: I use that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> totally. A magic carpet? That sounds
1: amazing. <laughs> yep. I'm trying that. And yeah. I can imagine for kids that sneak into their parents' room in the middle of the night because they can't sleep, it would be beneficial for both the parents and the kids all together, right? For using it through the speaker?
0: Totally. Yes. Family-friendly? Yeah. And actually on the speaker, you know, we're also on Alexa. So you can say, okay, Lex, Alexa, play Muse or Meditation Studio, and it will also play you meditations. Oh, wow. Oh,
2: that's awesome. So and that's part of the subscription. Yes. So, okay, great. So you've been mentioning mentioning all these amazing studies. Is there somewhere on the Muse website or online that people can l- look into these? for our scientific
0: followers. (laughs) If you go to our website, chooseMuse.com, uh, we have a page about research. So it's both a page appealing to researchers who do research with muse as well as uh, listing some of our studies. You can find them there. Great.
2: All right. We'll link to that in the show notes as well.
0: Yeah. Since we have you here, I cannot help, but ask
1: what is your favorite meditation on muse? What's your favorite setting?
0: Okay. So when you ask me right now, okay, so there's, there's a few different answers. There's <laughs> lots of different ways to use it. So, uh, my favorite soundscape is rain. It used to be beach. Uh, occasionally I can do the city, but I live in a city. So it drives me crazy. Some people love city. I hate city. Oh yeah. Um, no, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rain, rain is just the most obvious for me and it works. I keep all of the standard settings on. I turn off the, the, introduction because I've done it so many times. Sure. So I go to turn off guidance. Um, and then in terms of our guided meditation collections, we have so many of them, but you mentioned magic carpet and we actually have an adult magic carpet version. It's Chodo Campbell's magic carpet ride. And it is a, he's a Buddhist monk and he just has the most beautiful grovelly voice. And he just takes you on a magic carpet to sleep. It's awesome.
1: Excellent. All right. I need to (laughs) check that one out. And what about length? So the shortest session is five minutes. It looks like the longest is 45, at least on mine. Is that still
0: true? I think you can do up to three hours. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Now I see that. I see that. What do you usually do? And what would you recommend for someone that's just starting out versus someone that's already made it a part of their practice?
0: Sure. So if you're just starting out, you don't have to worry. This is like whatever you do is fine. Whatever's comfortable for you is fine. You can start at like three minutes or five minutes. Like if five minutes is too much, you can really just start at three. It's really okay. And just get used to the practice. Eventually as you do more, you know, ease it up like two minutes per week. So you might be at seven, you might be at nine. If that's your where you top out, don't worry about it. Stay there. There's a sensation that might start to arise in the middle of it being like, why am I still doing this? Like the, the urge to get up and to do something that's okay. Your job at that moment is to just sit there and observe what happens. You know, just notice that our bodies have these urges. But you don't need to follow them. You know, so much in our lives, we have like this urge to do this thing to like, you know, to call this ex-boyfriend, to to throw the thing (laughs) at someone because you're angry. You know, we have this, you grab for your phone because you want to just check social media. You know, we have these urges and we just autopilot and follow them. And one of the big things you learn in a meditation practice is how to break that autopilot, how to be able to observe your body's reactions without needing to just blindly follow them. So when you push yourself a little bit longer and you're now at 11 minutes or 20 minutes and halfway through, you're like, oh my God, shoot me now, I'm bored. Or like, can I please just get up and check my phone? Um, just watch that happen. Feel the discomfort, feel the rise of it. And eventually it'll fall. I promise you that sensation will go away. And then on the mm-hmm. other side of that, you'll be like, huh, maybe I don't have to like, just, you know, reach for the cupcake and do all the things that my body tells me to do. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe, maybe I can yeah. actually be the master of my own domain.
1: Yeah. So just let my thumb take me to Instagram.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You you can totally override your thumb. Who knew you could just feel the sensation in your thumb. It happens. That's cool. We're human. It happens, but you don't actually need to press the button. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so that's what a longer meditation practice teaches you. In terms of my own practice, I have so many different kinds of practices I do. It's super fun. So we have gratitude meditations. We have a meditation for morning joy. So in the morning, I might do a morning joy meditation when I wake up, which is like eight minutes. Um, I'll do a muse session in the middle of the day, you know, that might be like a 15 minute session. Um, and then I will, can do a sleep meditation at night. And that can be anywhere from like a five minute meditation to a, we have like 20 or 30 minute meditations that are just beautiful and take you into another world. So it varies day by day. I make sure I get at least like 10 minutes of a formal meditation practice each day. And on top of that, everything else is just kind of, you know, the fun and exploration of the different places that meditation can teach you and expand you and take you into.
1: I love that. Yeah. yeah. I definitely have experienced the urges, especially with guided meditation. I always have, and still do if I try to do a guided, cause I feel like everyone's recommending guided there's all these apps now. And I try all of them. i like, oh, I just, I still get the urges, but not with Muse. I find that I actually just want to stay on there. Like I, it's very rare that I'm like, Oh, I want to be done. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. I, I think it's, and I really do think it's the gamification. I think it's the sounds and my, my brain, I can feel that my brain is learning. It's just such a great feeling.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's wonderful.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is there anyone that shouldn't be using this? I can't, <laughs> I, I can't imagine.
0: <laughs> no one that I've ever encountered. Yeah. Your meditation is pretty great for everyone. You know, there are some people yeah. with severe trauma who might be triggered in a traditional meditation. Um, because for a lot of people sitting alone with your thoughts can be quite terrifying. Um, And I find Mm. that that's one of the things that Muse can really help with because you're not sitting in silence. And so there's enough of an engagement with the soundtrack to keep you out of the contents of your thoughts. So you're just becoming aware of like, oh, okay, thinking, not thinking, thinking, not thinking, as opposed to the, what could be a really like terrifying or trauma triggering experience of meditation for some people, which is being there with a thought that they don't want to be in and that they start to fight with.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause I've used other technologies where it's just like input into your brain, right? It's sound, it's light, but it, it's just, it's not the same. It's not the same. I feel like your mind can just wander too much. You do get irritable, want to get up, check your phone, do all that. But like Lauren said, the gamification is literally a game changer. It's a game changer. Yeah.
0: It's so you're exciting. learning. It's not just a thing that's passively happening to you. You're actually learning. You're actually learning what you're supposed to be doing. And that's what allows you to be better in the rest of your life.
1: Yeah. It's like gym time for your brain. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I just think there's so much good that can come from technology like this as biohackers and health coaches. We see so many negative effects of technology, but there's just so many powerful tools coming out that actually are helping our bodies reconnect with nature, which seems a little counterintuitive because it's technology, but it really is. It's bringing us back to how our bodies are supposed to naturally operate. I just think that's so cool.
0: Yeah, technology is not all bad. Uh, I I hate a lot of technology. <laughs> I'm yeah. really not a fan We're of technology <laughs> in general. Um, but insofar as it can be a tool that makes our life better, it's great. Insofar as it's a tool that you know disconnects us from what matters, it sucks. And so we've really you know focused on making a tool that it's not about the tool. It's about you. It's about observing yourself, learning the skill, becoming wiser, becoming more engaged in yourself and your life. And once you do that, the technology can go away. Cause like, it's not a thing that just zaps you. It's not a thing that you need to use all the time, like 24 seven. It's a thing Mm -hmm. that you learn, use to learn something. And then you go out in the world and you're better. It's like, you know, teaching them to fish and then you just go out and fish. You don't need a teacher anymore. Right,
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Such an amazing concept and such an amazing product.
0: Thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would love to just recap the two bands.
2: I want to make sure I understand and the listeners understand. (laughs) So you have your basic Muse headband that is really daytime. You can use it before bed. And then the Muse S, it does all of the same things plus the sleep. Exactly. Okay.
0: You got it. And then on top of that, there's the subscription that gives you access to hundreds of meditations kind of for anything that comes up in your life. So, you know, you have a job interview, we have a meditation to prepare you for that. You're frustrated standing in line. We have a two minute meditation for standing in line. So it really helps you change perspective on whatever is going on. It helps you learn and grow through it.
2: Awesome. Well, I can't wait to try the sleep band. I'm really excited. You too. (laughs) Amazing. Wonderful. Well, Ariel, this has been so informative. I'm like I can't wait to just go online and order my sleep band as soon as we hang up today. Um <laughs> but I'll probably follow suit because that's just what yeah. I did at Effects when Renee got hers. <laughs> right, I got right. <laughs> yeah. And actually I came home from effects so and my husband was like, where's mine?
1: <laughs> I was like, I can share. I can share. He was like, I want my own. <laughs> so now oh, that is have- the cool thing. You can share. Yeah. yeah. But now he can have households. my
2: regular one and I'll get the sleep one and <laughs> share. I guess I could share that too, but um, wonderful. Well, Ariel, before we let you go, we always like to ask our guests um, for one piece of advice, something that people can start doing today um, other than going and buying a muse band. <laughs> what is one other piece of advice, maybe just for improving health, wellness, energy, life, anything?
0: Sure. It's to understand that you don't need to be a subject to the crap that goes on in your head, that really the stories that your mind tells you, they are not necessarily true. They're not necessarily helpful. And you absolutely do not need to buy into them. You know, so many of us just live at the behest of whatever garbage our brain is telling us. And that could be, I'm not good enough, or you're going to be late 50 times over. Um, or, you know, this is going to be terrible. All of those are not necessarily true. They're just stories our brain is telling us in trying to help us, but it typically doesn't. And so, you know, whether you meditate or you use muse or not, it, all of it is all just in service of getting you to understand that you do not need to be the like whipping boy at the end of your brain's bad stories. So when the stuff comes up in your mind, you know, you can objectively look at it. You can say, thanks for giving me that information, but I do not need it now. It does not help me. It does not serve me because actually I am a confident, capable, you know, beautiful and talented individual who can do just fine just now.
1: That is awesome. Awesome. I I can imagine an ideal world where we've wiped all of these negative beliefs and we've sort of upregulated our values and then also attitudes because it trickles up from there, right? So... I think that would be such an amazing, amazing place to be for everyone in the world.
0: That's the world Brave I hope advice. to see someday. Yeah.
2: Our thoughts are so powerful. Yep. Be careful of the story you're telling yourself. And I think all of your advice today will help people break those stories. So thank you so much. Oh,
1: yes. Thank you. you. <laughs> well, thank you for your
2: time. It was so great chatting with you. And thank you to everyone at home that tuned in today.
1: We will see you next time. See you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking.